Chrysalis. We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of March. Hey, Ed, how's it going? It, well, awesome, Ron. Baseball season is back. Opening I, day. Know, yep. The world is, is renewed. Spring has sprung. The Mets won two nothing. Jacob Degrom in, in a full Degromination yesterday. Titan strikeouts. You yeah. just realized Greg LaFollette just turned this yeah, off. Yeah, he just turned but, it. He just turned it, it off yeah. already. But uh, <laughs> sorry, Greg. But you know that's yeah. that's Ed. That's all right. Day. You should have seen him yesterday in his full Mets uniform. It was amazing. Yeah, wearing <laughs> cleats. <laughs> Uh, just about. I don't just go about. quite go that far. Uh, that's all right. But you said the Rangers looked pretty bad. Oh my God, they were awful. It was awful. Oh, it was absolutely horrible. Yeah, they, it, it was. There's going to be a lot of runs scored against the Rangers this year. I'm pretty sure they've already called Bartolo Colon, who you know is 47 years old and weighs 320 pounds, and pitched for them last year. Like, dude, come on back because we need you. <laughs> really? Wow. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Well, my dad will appreciate this conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Ed. Let me, uh, I guess I open, so I'll, I'll take yeah. the opening prerogative. Let's talk about what stresses millennials out. Everything? Everything. Stressing about stress? 58% of millennials feel like life is more stressful now than ever before. Clearly. And... One third of millennials believe their lives are more stressful than the average person's life. And let me tell you, share with you what the top 20 most stressful scenarios are as reported by millennials. The top 20 most stressful is this, is scenarios. Is this first countdown? Is this we're starting at 20 and working our way up like a la David Letterman? Or is- uh, No, I, I think this is in I, this is ranked ordered, I think. So I think it was like an open-ended question. Okay. And it was a survey done by one poll, research firm called One Poll. And these are right. the top 20 most stressful scenarios. Right. No, but what I'm getting at, are you, so is the, but the one that you give me first, is that going to be the most stressful? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. That's what I wanted to know. All right. Yep. Losing your wallet or credit card. Why you have a wallet. Arguing with partner. Commute traffic delays. <laughs> losing phone. Arriving late to work. Slow Wi-Fi. Phone battery dying. Forgetting passwords, credit card fraud, forget phone charger, losing misplacing keys, paying bills, job interviews, phone screen breaking, credit card bill, uh, check engine light coming on, school loan payments, job security, choosing what to wear, washing dishes. 
So basically, my thought was after reading this, <laughs> if you get rid of your iPhone, you take out like half of this. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So that's it. I, can you say first world problems? Oh, well, they're all first world problems. I'm glad that like job stress was in there somewhere. Like job interviews, 17, yeah. 17 on the list or something. Yeah. 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 At least they're thinking about it. But um, slow Wi-Fi, phone battery dying. Well, you know, it's, it's slow Wi-Fi. It's frustrating. I don't know whether it's stressful. Um, it is. What What was that? What was this? Uh, the comedian we can't talk about, I guess, anymore. Was it him, uh, CK, where he's talking about, you know, you're on the airplane and the Wi-Fi slow and you're, you're <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yes. So what's he oh, saying? This is, this is bull crap. Yeah, think... you're sitting in a chair 40,000 feet going 500 yeah. miles an hour and you're complaining about the Wi-Fi. Yeah, the right. Every, everybody are... on every airplane should be going, oh, my God. God. The Wright Whoa. brothers would the Wright brothers would kick us in the groin. He didn't say yeah. groin, but yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, all right, I'm done. Because uh, look, I don't like making fun of the millennials and and you know beating them up because I think I just can't stand that. It's such blanket. But this was pretty interesting to me. I thought that was semi comical. <laughs> semi comical. I you know it just it goes to show you how wealthy we. You know there was just another article too that came out the other day forget that uh, david harsani was the writer and i forget where it was but um he said the millennials the be you know the the people born in this generation are the, the the wealthiest they're the most educated ever on the planet ever N- nothing even comes close and it's a good point we talk about it all the time yeah um, well so I'll, I'll try to hatch on to that one but a little little uh the uh, this is a, a story from the Guardian mm-hmm. uh, by Phil McDuff, and it's an opinion piece. At least it was listed under the opinion piece. But uh, the title of this is "Ending Climate Change Requires the End of Capitalism." Of course, have we the stomach for it? That's yeah. the that's the posed question. And you know, policy tweaks won't do. We need to throw the ki- th- we we need to throw out the kitchen sink with this and do a total rethink in relationship to ownership, work, and capital. In other words, we just bring back you know communism, Ron, because it just it it was such a great idea in 1847. It just wasn't implemented right. Pretty sure it that wonderful it, just, things for the environment, by the way. Yeah, if we just rethink this, uh, it's 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 going to be okay. Um, but they so what he's saying, and this is today's children, this is quote, quoting now from the article, today's children has become politically aware will be much more radical than their parents simply because there will be no other choice for them. This emergent radicalism is already t- taking people by surprise. The Green New Deal presented most associated with 29-year-old uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez has provoked widely unhinged backlash from the pro-free market, widely unhinged, Ron, unhinged. widely unhinged from the pro-free market wing. They argue that it's a Trojan horse, nothing more than an attempt to piggyback Marxism onto the back of climate legislation. Of course, he says this is ridiculous. These claims are ridiculous. Yeah, but we do need to end right. capitalism. Right. Yeah. Um, and and where there's going to be, you know, again, he talks about then the massive effort to end end 
global warming by 2030 by, of course, getting rid of fossil fuels. Have they studied nothing that like zero, zero into understanding the notion of cost benefit analysis and understanding that what they want to implement, if truly by 2030, will kill millions of people? And I don't I don't mean to say that lightly. They it will millions of people will die. Yep, I know. If if implemented. And they say, well, it's just a starting point then. Just a starting point. No, your ideas are dangerous. <laughs> Don't think you understand how dangerous these ideas are. You couldn't use you couldn't use a cell phone. <clears throat> I, yeah. Well, that no. would get rid of the stress then, I suppose, right? Well, yeah, that's true. Going back to the millennials. <clears throat> no, I know. I know. I've got I've got something in my stack on the Green New Deal too, but um, well, let's talk about let's talk about taking the Guardian's logic to to its end result. So I got okay. one here. You probably saw this from Fee. It's back actually dates back to March eighth. Eleven economic stats that tell the Venice the story in Venezuela. I, this is actually tragic, Ed. I mean, I, this yeah, is unbelievable. It is Number one, Venezuela has the largest oil reserves in the world. We are the top producer of oil, right. but our reserves are our known reserves, I should say, are 10% of the known reserves of Venezuela. In Venezuela today, the median monthly income, eight mm -hmm. bucks. Eight dollars is the median income in Venezuela today, meaning one half above that, one half below that. A two pound bag of onions currently costs two bucks. In 2016, the price of a gallon of gasoline was less than one cent per gallon. Roughly 90% of Venezuelans today live below the poverty line. 90% below the poverty line. In 1950, Venezuela ranked among the top 10 most prosperous nations in the world. In 1950, in 2018, inflation in Venezuela topped 1 million percent. <laughs> Let that sink in, 1 million percent. Economic projections show inflation in Venezuela is expected to hit 10 million percent in 2019. In 1959, the Venezuelan GDP per capita was 10 percent higher than America's. As of June 2018, about 2.3 million people had immigrated from Venezuela following its economic collapse, or 13 percent of its population. When Hugo Chavez came to power in 1999, the Venezuelan GDP per capita was 27% higher than the average in Latin America. And yet, we need to emulate this? No, well, I know they did it wrong. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. It was, it was, Chavez went off the reservation. He was evil. Yeah. He didn't do it right, along with Stalin and Lenin and Pol Pot and Mao and, yeah, right. the list goes on Castro. He says, this guy says, the suffering in Venezuela is not just tragic, it's also senseless. I would say at this point, it's probably criminal. Yeah, probably so. I, I, I do hope there's that new president guy who we, I guess, have recognized. Along with other countries. Countries, you know, we can probably start to make, make the break from the Maduro-Chavez regimes. But is again a wasted generation and another generation before they can repair the damage easily. Uh, it's just unbelievable the havoc <clears throat> reached in so short a period of time. Mm -hmm. yeah, Ninety percent below the poverty line is—that's tragic. 
It is. And, well, and I bet if you actually looked at it, when you know the stat that you gave where they were the top 10 and one of the nations, I bet if you looked if you looked at that, it's it's really just because no no additional wealth was created because the notion of dividing it became so important, right? It, the, it, we, the, I mean, Chavez came came to power on the inequality platform, yeah. right? The haves and the haves nots, and well, they're all equal now. Yeah, they're, everybody everybody's under ninety percent poverty, so mission accomplished. The only stat exciting in there is the penny per gallon of gas. That's kind of cool. I wouldn't mind that, but everything else, uh, I don't know. All right. Well, we're already up against our first break, Ron, and we promise our audience that we're going to get a lot happier in the second segment. I've got a couple that are a lot more happy, a little peppy, upbeat. So if you stay depressing, Ron, I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to bring us back to something a little bit more more cheerful but want to remind you can get a hold of ron or me by sending an email to ask tsoe at verisage.com of course there's the website the soul of enterprise.com where you can see show notes as well as previews to upcoming shows but right now a word from our sponsor become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash U.S forward slash S-O-E. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of March. And, Ed, we did a show on uh, pricing at Starbucks. Yes. We talked about odd number pricing, charm pricing, and and I brought up the idea that Costco uses their endings for various signaling devices. Correct. I couldn't remember all the details, but shout out to Hector for sending me the link on hacking Costco, decoding their price tags. Nice. So just, yeah, this is actually really cool. So, and I know my dad shops at Costco and I'm sure other folks out there do. So let me give you some insight into looking at their price tags. Prices that end, and this is actually from Costco 
<laughs> no, okay. Just, they, they have an online newsletter yeah. or something, and I know they have. They used to have a magazine that they publish. I don't know if they still do it print, but um, prices that end in '97 are special, limited time deals created by local Costco store managers. Um, that also means they could be lowered further in the future. Um, and then you need to pay attention to the date codes on the card. So the price cards have an asterisk. Or, or price cards have dates on them when they were changed last and stuff. Mm. So you can see when that 97 cent price thing was added and it could go down in the future. Price cards that have an asterisk on them in the upper right-hand corner denote products that are discontinued and will not return. So if there's an asterisk in the upper right-hand corner, those products aren't coming back. You might want to snag it now. Prices that end in zero or 0.88 are usually store returns, floor models, or the last few units remaining that the manager is trying to get rid of. So that's an interesting code. Um, prices that end in the nine, except as in 99, such as 49, 59, 69, are often manufacturer special sales items that may or may not be a good deal. Honestly, it ranges from item to item. These are likely products new to the store that are being tested by the manufacturer. So they offer pricing may, that may be lower. That's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So there's like test market products. Prices that end in 99 are just boring old regular, but still low price <laughs> products. Bonus tip. There is a date code usually in the bottom right corner of the price card. Although sometimes it's on the left side. It tells you the date the price was last updated. Did you know that a 97 price change can go even lower? So that's how you hack the uh, Costco price tags. I thought that was pretty cool. That is very so cool. There's Thank you, Hector. One, yeah, one use of charm pricing. Yeah. Right? Signaling device. For Signaling the device for the insiders. Yeah, like it. I like it. Use it. Um, yep. All right. Well, I got this one, Ron, and I know you're going to like it because it's Thomas Soul. Beautiful former guest on the soul of enterprise. This is from the Western journal. And this was a story written about his appearance on a news program. I don't see the news program listed here. Maybe I bet it, it was Fox. Uh, Fox business, Fox business yep. network. Yep. 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 So this is really interesting. So it, he's, they're talking about the explanations for inequality, why people don't have the same outcome. Right. right. And this is now quoting from, Thomas Sowell, 100 years ago, it was genetics, and other times in place, it was exploitation. But again, these areas uh, that sound plausible, but when you do research, you discover that everywhere, these the, there are a thousand reasons why people don't turn out the same. And he says, this goes right down to the family, right? In the first chapter of his book, he points out that firstborn ha children have higher IQs than siblings. In fact, among astronauts, 29 of the Apollo program astronauts, uh, there were 29 astronauts in that program. 22 were firstborns. 22. Yep. And that's just one of those things that you're just like, okay, then. <laughs> so, and his, his point is, is if you can't get equality among people who are brought up in the same household with the same two parents, what How are you gonna get on God's green earth do you think that you're going to get any kind of equality across cultures, across countries, across cities, even states, whatever? 
just completely insane. Now, this actually led me to do some further reading about something that I think is fascinating. And I love this quote, and I wish I had written down who said it, but I didn't. He said, there are no such thing as poor people. There are people in poor places. And I think that's really interesting because the, the point being is that if you take somebody who's say in Haiti, right. And right. And put them, put them in the United States, they're going to be far more productive and make a ton of money. Even if it's driving a cab or flipping burgers or doing whatever. So it's not the people who are poor. It's, there are poor places, the institutions, which of course we now need to get rid of because of global warming. Right. Um, <laughs> that's the history of migration. I mean, he's pointed that out in another series of books he wrote, but I mean, just I, 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 there's thousands of examples, right? Look at Cuba, the Cubans mm -hmm. that came to Miami. Mm -hmm. Are they poor? <laughs> yep. Look what they did to Miami. You know, it's mm -hmm. amazing. Yep. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's funny, Ed, you bring up soul because I just got this from his publisher uh -huh. and this is okay. the expanded that's the edition. Book that yeah, I, I must I must be on basic books like book reviewer list. I get all of Thomas Sowell's books sent to me uh -huh. in hardcover, which I don't read, you know, in hardcover. Right. I wish they sent them to me in Kindle, but um, this is the new book. I'll tell you, this book is friggin' amazing. And I haven't read Just, the expanded edition yet, but right. you cannot, you can't read Thomas Sowell and not walk away and then hear that word equality and think about it the same ever again. Right. You just won't. He'll he'll change your because he's chewing on you're chewing on nails when you read this right. guy. The and the book is discrimination and disparities. And disparities. Right. Yep. Right. So anyway, I thought that that was absolutely fascinating. That little factoid about the Apollo astronauts just is blows your mind, doesn't it? Yeah, I remember him talking about rank order shit. You know, the first kids usually got the highest IQ and mm. and all of that. And yeah, and and like he says, you know, you can't get equality under the same roof with the same parents <laughs> and the same DNA. And yeah. how are you going to do it anywhere else? I, it, it applies nowhere, anywhere in in life. That's what he means by empirical evidence. You know, let's search yep. out the evidence, and um, and a lot of it is just choice too. Mm -hmm. You know, like he said, why aren't there more black ballet dancers? He said, well, because I never wanted to be one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think he said that on our show, actually, too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he did try out for the Dodgers, though. So that's, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, I, Ed, I got one. And I'd put this in the happy stack because we've been Good. laughing at this for a long time. America <laughs> finally admits recycling doesn't work. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> So the whole reduce, re reduce, reuse, recycle, rote learning that, you know, we all learned in elementary school, um, all these studies now have come out and said, this just doesn't work. Cities are abandoning their recycling left and right. The New York Times ran a story detailing how hundreds of cities across the country are abandoning their recycling efforts. Philadelphia, Memphis, Florida, um, just, just all over the place. And yeah, I wish I wish my town would too, because it's just such a pain in the butt to put that in here. And here's the thing: I haven't done it yet, but I'm pretty sure that it's this, in my town. It's the same truck, and they just come back is. a second time. They just come back a second time, and they pick up the the blue can after they after they pick up the other can. Ed, they used to do that in my town, 
they uh-huh. don't even make that pretension anymore. They pull up, the blue <laughs> can goes in, and then they pick up the blue can, and it goes. And I'm like, I'm sitting really? here watching this going, what? It just, it's Dude, you gotta like video that. You, it, you I know, I should, I should. Um, and now this article does point out sometimes recycling makes sense, right? Yeah, I'll tell you when it makes it sense, when you get paid for it. Right. So like when you get a nickel up for bringing in aluminum cans, that's that's an economic right. transaction. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But all the stuff about splitting up your garbage and the, the, I wish we, we need to try and find this on YouTube. But the funniest thing is from Penn and Teller's show. I, I found I found part of it. So I, I made a note already. So we'll put that we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but I found part of it. The whole episode is not available on YouTube, but you can uh, obviously get it. Yeah, Penn and Teller did a whole thing on recycling, and there, the, but there is that one section, the one that you're looking for, which is where they roll out the seven different cans uh. in front of all of the of, for, for this for this one group of people in California, and the, one of the all time best lines, right? <laughs> he goes, you know, they were trying to convince people to do. He's like, you know, this this really worked over in Japan. And, did, and, and everybody's nodding their head. Yeah. Nodding their head. And, <laughs> yeah. and he's got the seven cans and they they hand somebody a piece of trash and okay, now where does this go? Oh, this is a used box. So it goes in and then he blows the air horn if they get it you wrong. Do it wrong. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. so funny. And 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 then he asks them, remember, he says, Now would this be would this be burdensome to you to have seven yeah. cans? Yeah. No. No, no, not no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> These people are saints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, come on. These people are unbelievable. And, yeah. and you know, Ed, there's been Cato reports and AEI reports on recycling going all the way back. And, and they've thrashed it from, from the get-go. They oh, said this the, is yeah. ridiculous and it's not, it doesn't achieve the intended results. And nobody listened because this, and this article points out, and it's so true, this is a religion. Oh, yeah. But it's well, also and, a giant placebo. And and uh, I think that's the opening segment of the Penn and Teleskitches. They, they they he talks about everybody got a gree gree right yeah green everybody green. a green green, green. green. no yeah. gree gree it's G R I S G R I S it's pronounced oh. gree gree oh is it okay gree gree yeah. gree gree yeah everybody get a gree gree which is which is just a, an irrational belief oh right right, right. Yeah. That, yeah okay that somebody has for something so all right well, well let me good. let me try to get this one in before our break here on because okay. it's, it's a short one but it's also uh on on the i think that the half i got this off of apple news but i think oh yeah wall street journal wall street journal you're gonna love this because my I, I was very depressed when i saw this because my son is uh, on me all of this right when a passion for video games helps you land that job Right. Cool. Hiring managers are opening up to candidates who tout tout game skills from ma- from making or playing video games. Right. And this is that apparently now people are asking about work history, education, video game experience. Do you believe this? Wow. <laughs> right. Uh, embracing resumes that include backgrounds in making or playing video games, concluding that the digital pastime can help employees with online collaboration, problem solving, and other critical workplace skills. How about that? Uh, you know, I, I've read more and more and heard more podcasts talking about that very issue that people play games, creative problem solvers, you know, more innovative. I, uh, you know, there's got to be something to it. 
Interesting. It's interesting stuff. Well, I was like, okay. My Sean was very happy about it. That's all I have to say. And I, because I'm constantly making fun of him. Is I going to help you get a job? You're going to get a scholarship for that? And now, in some of the, some cases, the answer is yes, because yeah. there are universities who are offering scholarships for this stuff. I'm like, oh man. I don't know. Now, you know, under under hashtag get off my lawn. <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> feel like an old man. That's awesome. All right. Well, Ed, we're up against it. And I'd like to remind you folks, if you want to contact Ed or myself, you can send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Check out the soul of enterprise for our full show notes and check out how you can subscribe to our bonus episodes and other things that we put up. Uh, on our Patreon site, and you can do that. You can find that at the Soul of Enterprise as well. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash U.S. forward slash S-O-E. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of March. And Ed, this is fascinating. This is Jonah Goldberg. Jonah mm-hmm. Goldberg has a newsletter, calls it the G File. He puts it out every Friday. And yeah, there's dog video links. You know, he's got dogs and they're really popular and all that. But But I'm telling you, the last year or so, this has just been some phenomenal writing and just deep thoughts. Uh, that mm-hmm. dumps out of this guy's brains. And in this one, he's talking about political disagreements. And, and and he's been talking about this for a long time. But he talks about going to uh, Les Miserables in London when he mm-hmm. was over there, the play. Yep. And he said, at the end of the show, 
the actors came out to take their bow. And he said, the, the, the performers who played the conniving, um, help me with the pronunciation. Denardiers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and another one, uh, Javert. 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 Okay. Okay. A smattering of people in the audience booed. Okay. When they took their bow, the performers. Now he says, look, I understand that they were booing, not the actors, but the characters they were playing. Right. But he, he goes on to say, but this this is what's happening to politics. He's he's argued ever since kind of the era of Trump. And I should say he's a never Trumper. Right. And he takes a lot of flack for it. He's a never Trumper and always has been. He's been just consistent on this. Um, but he says, we're watching politics as it's a, as if it's a form of entertainment. And here's his point and, and his problem with this. He said, your brain changes when you watch entertainment, or rather, it unchanges. It reverts back to something closer to its original design. Because, you know, (laughs) the one that takes place, the real change in your brain is the one that takes place outside of the theater, which is what makes it possible for us to get along with strangers, right? Mm -hmm. The whole voluntary cooperation and... And all that. He says, but when you watch entertainment, movies, play video games, whatever, you can yell, kick him again or finish him, right? You can cheer when a character you detest suffers beyond all deserving. What happens in the movie theater stays in the movie theater. And all I could think about was me and the Americans, you know, the final (laughs) episode going, these guys, Stan, shoot him, shoot him, Stan, (laughs) you useless idiot. Um, I do not believe 80% of the outrage I hear from the Senator's mouth. It's not intended for the real world. It's, it's not the same thing as the speech by Al Pacino and the scent of a woman where both the actor and the audience alike understand there is a suspension of disbelief at work. And the emotional response from the audience is an end in itself, not a means to an end as it is in politics. He said the line between, and I love this, th- th- this is deep. He said the line between rhetoric and entertainment is blurring. Rhetoric, Wayne Booth once said, is the art of probing what men believe they ought to believe. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta gotta process those layers there, right? Um, and you you know, that is just a fantastic point that we turn politics into entertainment, and our brain changes when we watch entertainment or unchanges, as he says. That's a fantastic point. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, it, it's a version. It's actually a deeper version, much deeper than what I've been saying about you know, politics and elections and campaigns supposed to be about ideas. And it's not anymore. Nope. I mean, one thing I am happy that AOC has done, is she's brought some element of ideas back into the public square. We're debating yeah. ideas. They're bad ideas. But their ideas, right? Same with Elizabeth Warden Warren's wealth tax or whatever. I mean, that's what this is supposed to be about. Not it's not about entertainment and making fun of people. And and I just thought that was a really good point. Political theatrics by Jonah Goldberg. It was really yeah. Funny. No, I think I think he's absolutely right. And look, I, and this is not going away. I mean, twenty twenty is going to be more theatrics. I, I just uh, oh yeah, it will be. Especially you know, if Beto I, gets in there. 
Well, uh, Beto, but Beto, uh, the, the, Beto, Beto. So let's let's talk about that. I, I have nothing in my stack per se on it, but the Mueller report, right? Let me just leverage right. off of that. And, and uh, here's here's my thinking on this: is this this has turned into two and a half years, right, of chasing down shadows. Nothing of of what turns out not, was nothing, no no there there so to speak. Um, was there obstruction of justice? And then the question becomes: Is can you obstruct justice when there's no underlying crime? And and sadly the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Sadly the answer is yes. Martha Stewart went to to prison for that. It, 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 yeah, it, for it, lying. She insider. She was not convicted of insider insider trading at all. She was convicted of the under of of obstructing justice, right? It, and it's sort of like going now. Can you can you by, by, because she lied to right. the FBI, right? Right. I'd but like to know where the evidence for the obstruction of justice is, though. Right. What is the evidence for the obstruction? Because he fired Comey. Rosenstein <laughs> wrote a memo telling him to fire Comey. Right. Because of what Comey did. Right. No, no, no. Uh, but I'm not saying there is. My point is is coming back to this. What here's what I think. This is virtually reinsured the reelection of Donald Trump because there was a survey that a friend of mine put out. It was that was done, and I I objected to the headline because the headline was 75 percent of Americans are want the Mueller report released in its entirety, right? And I said that's total horse hockey. First of all. Seventy-five percent of Americans couldn't name what the Mueller report is. Right, right. right. There's, or, the, there's uh, not. We couldn't even get close to that. That. So now, the best they could do is say that seventy-five percent of the people who responded to the survey <laughs> want the Mueller report. But to say seventy-five percent right, right. of Americans want the Mueller report, this, seventy-five percent of Americans do not know what the Mueller report is. Yeah. Right, and it's not even close. It's got close to that. Right. It's not even. It's probably not even close to twenty-five percent. Honestly, yeah, right. But in this survey was also, if you actually read the story, was this little ditty that thirty-five percent of those who responded, right, think that it was a witch hunt. That does not bode well for Democrats in twenty twenty, because witch hunt about what something has hurt that I believe does penetrate to a lot of people who don't know even know what the Mueller report is. That's true. They'll just term. know that, right, that's Trump, Trump, this was a witch hunt to get Trump, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Whether it was called the Mueller report or not, whether it was released in its entirety or not, completely irrelevant. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it right now, 2020, I'm calling it for Trump and I'm calling it, I'm calling it big. You're braver than I am. Big. That's, that's great. I, who knows what's going to happen between now and then, but yet I agree with your assessment currently. Absolutely. I think this was, this is going to do nothing but uh, put a, you know, wind in Trump's sails. And it's also going to enable him to focus more on his, his policy agenda because now he doesn't mm-hmm. have all this distraction surrounding him unless they come up with something else. Well, they it, could. but yes, but I think if they're smart, they won't. And I think that at least at least the leadership seems to be Pelosi. See, you know, he, what was two weeks ago said, hey, impeachment at this point is stupid. Right. 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 You know, um, in, unless something comes up, she did say. But yeah. 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 Unless we find something. Um, 
But Ed, just on the Beto thing, uh, in the same uh, G file, uh, Goldberg took on Beto. He said, like Obamacare, we have to vote for Beto first to find out what's in him. <laughs> but inconvenience defines Beto too. He finds it too inconvenient to have an opinion on many policies. So he's literally asked his biggest fans to tell him what he should believe. He's asking the people to lead and he'll follow them. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's it's true. From what I've got gathered that the guy, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. He's a yeah. Bit empty, in my yeah. opinion. Well. All right. Look, I got one. We got about three minutes left. And this is related to our audience. And this is this uh, another as predicted by me. I'll take some credit for this one. Uh, story from Reason Magazine, March 19th, 2019. The Supreme Court's online tax ruling is already having huge headaches for small business. And of course, this is relating to Wayfair, yeah. right? What an absolute nightmare this is becoming for people. Just an absolute nightmare. Because, he, you know, here's the thing that we, what I, what I think people missed in this. All right. So, yes, there's this, there, there are these minimums, right? Where it's what, uh, 2,000 transactions. Uh, and or um, no, I'm sorry. It's a hundred transactions. And uh, yeah, it's two thousand transactions or a hundred thousand dollars in most states. Of that that's where what where you have to report, right? Mm -hmm. So if you do business which is more than either a hundred thousand dollars and or two hundred transactions into a particular state, then you have to report the sales tax. But here's what I don't think people get. Now, if I'm outside the state, like I have no idea what's taxable and non-taxable in California. I know. Right? I have no, and, and that might vary as I understand it from, from county to county. Yep. Right? So this is, a, you know, our friend, friends at Avalara, good on you, man. Do you uh, <laughs> buy yeah. Avalara stock? Because yeah. this is, this is just crazy. They're doing the this Lord's is, work there. They it, are doing the Lord's work there, and I. But I got to tell you, it, 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 well, I, I, if this if, if this reverses itself, which I think it might, I don't know what happened to them. But see, and this is uh, here's my quip on this. I believe that this is doing the exact opposite what the intention of the Constitution was. This is making interstate commerce irregular. Yeah. Gee, we're not abiding by the Constitution. That's a shock. Well, not only not abiding, but it's the exact opposite. Opposite, like yeah. it, right? Because what 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 the the intention of that amendment of the that clause of the Commerce Clause make regular was not to regulate it. It was to make it regular, right? It was to make, so that it was consistent throughout. That's what regulate meant in seventeen eighty seven. Right, it wasn't to regulate as we think of regulation. It was to meant to make regular. Well, this makes it completely irregular. And and the thing about it, Ed, just and those arguments aside, just the the complexity tax and the compliance tax that this imposes on business, including small businesses. You know, if you're selling stuff on Etsy or whatever, mm -hmm. it's just it's just one more thing, just like with occupational licensing, that just prevents people from moving up the economic ladder. Yep. It's frustrating as all get out, but yeah, that's where we are, and we're so, up against. Anyway, great, it. great, Damn. great article in in reason on this. Really fantastic article. So we'll post a link to it. Excellent. All right. Well, great. Well, folks, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, you can do so at asktsoe at verisage.com. Check out the Soul of Enterprise. 
com. Check out our calendar where you can see Ed and I. We've got an event coming up on the subscription economy that's open to the public in Chicago. And uh, you can uh, get more details on that if you email us. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday for the month of March. And Ed, you probably know Elizabeth Warren is pursuing a wealth tax. So here's yeah. how it would work. An annual levy of 2% on net wealth. Let me put that in brackets because that's yeah, an important yeah. concept, yeah. meaning wealth minus debt. And that 2% would apply to a, a wealth above, a net wealth above $50 million. How much do you want to oh, bet? Oh, it's only the rich though, Ron. It's only the I, rich. I know. But how much do you want to bet that Elizabeth <laughs> Warren's net wealth is less than $50 million? I w- it's, I would bet you $50 million. Yeah, I bet it's like 48. Um, and 3% on net wealth above 1 billion. So what do we know about the wealth? It's, you know, it's just like Thomas Sowell says, go look at the evidence. Go. So what do we know about the wealth tax? Well, lots of countries have imposed it in the, in the European Union, a lot of uh-huh. European countries. They raise little money and they are bare. And that's a nice word to administer. Mm-hmm. So more than a dozen European countries have used the wealth tax. Nearly all of them repealed the wealth tax, including Austria, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Iceland, Ireland, Italy, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, and Sweden. They that only sounds sur- like OECD countries, Ron. It does, except <laughs> they have survived in Norway, Spain. And Switzerland. That's the only place. France imposed one, which they repealed. But here's the thing. It raised about 0.2% of GDP in each one of these countries. 
That's about one fortieth the size of the U.S. federal income tax, just to put that in perspective. It raises 0.2% of GDP, and it's a bear to administer. In other words, the compliance costs are only making the accountants wealthy. Just some of the issues. You have to report the value of financial securities, homes, furnitures, artwork, jewelry, antiques, vehicles, boats, pension rights, family businesses, farm assets, land, IP. I would add wine. <laughs> you know, your wine cellar. Um, and how? what about wealth held abroad? So, and here's the other problem. It, 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 you're going to, the, the legislature is going to make carve outs to appease special interests, right? So you can see people saying, oh, well, your farm doesn't count or small businesses don't count below a certain threshold, or maybe your pension doesn't count or certain artwork items or certain bottles of wine. I could see all of this, but then here's the other thing. Since the base of the wealth tax is net wealth, meaning debt is deductible, what happens? People go up, jack up their borrowing and go buy exempted assets. <laughs> None of this stuff works. It, so uh, the Swedish wealth tax has caused the expatriation of the founder of Ikea, yep. Ingvar Kompered or whatever his name is. Um, outflows was a major motivation for the repeal of the wealth tax in France. Uh, it was imposed in 82 and repealed in 2017 after a parade of French business people and celebrities left for Belgium, which is a high tax country, but it has no wealth tax. I remember when Ingrid Bergman, Bergman uh, immigrated, yep. he got off the plane in Belgium, the reporters, Mr. Bergman, why, why Belgium? Why Belgium? <laughs> Devoted to your chocolates. <laughs> um, <laughs> some some 10,000 people left France with 35 billion dollars or 35 billion euros worth of assets because of their wealth tax. And yeah, it raised three and a half billion euros for France a year, but the government figured they lost about 7 billion euros in other forms of taxes because of those people, just those people leaving. And, uh, you know, this wealth tax idea, the economist has this article on it and they're saying, well, yeah, this is a problem because, you know, it's complex, it's costly to administer. They think there's better ways to do it. They think you could have an inheritance tax, property, crank up property taxes, or raise taxes on corporations. Oh, of course. Let's get the corporations because they're not people. Yep. Well, all right. So here's one thing that I heard about this, and I would be curious as this was mentioned in the article at all. Let's assume that that it's passed and that 3% is correct. In what is it, over people over what? A billion? One, one billion. All right, so that's how many people, how many billionaires are there in the United States? But let's just take one of them in particular, a fellow by the name of Jeff Bezos, mm -hmm. right? He's worth a boatload of cash, a boat, I shouldn't say cash, a boatload of money from wealth. I don't think he has much debt, so there's not going to be much that old Jeff can subtract from his net, net worth, right? Yep. 3% would probably wipe him out liquidity-wise. I mean, wipe him out. I I can't imagine that he ha he has three percent of his net wealth in liquid assets. No, he'd have to go sell Amazon stock <clears throat> in a big chunk, and that would probably get him uh, run afoul of some SEC law. <laughs> but you see, what I am I right? Do you think that could, would he, would someone that wealthy be three percent liquid mm -hmm. with all of it? Right? 
No. He, he didn't have whatever he has three percent no. cash stuffed in his mattresses. Yeah. Somewhere. No, it's, it's all, especially and that's year one. those. And it's, that's year one. Yeah. It's all plowed back into Amazon. It's one of the reasons they're not paying any income tax that everybody's pissed off about because they've dumped back every bit of profit and building new things like that building out in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. and because of the Trump bill, you can deduct it now and, you know, accelerate depreciation and all that. Yeah, it doesn't have any taxes. He's plowing every penny back into the company. Yeah, and like, well, and then th- year three, and then you know, by the time he's he's wiped out in by in a minimum of three years, he's completely wiped out. And, and I mean, this this would be a boon for accountants. This wealth tax because you'd have to have fair market values of everything annually, and just what I mean, what a nightmare! You're, the whole point of taxation. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it's theft or not, but just from an economic principle, the whole point of taxation is to pluck the goose with the least amount of hissing, right? Meaning to try and devise the system that is the, the just the easiest and but will raise the proper amount of revenue with the least amount of distortive costs. Mm-hmm. This violates every single principle, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work, and it hasn't worked anywhere, right? So what's going to make it work here? Because Elizabeth Warren has proposed it. (laughs) All right, Ron, I got, so we have two minutes to close here and uh, I wanted to get this one in It's real quick. This is, you know, you are the read more books than anyone I know. Right. So I came across this article again by former guest in the soul of enterprise, Don Boudreau, 10 books on Liberty. You probably haven't read, but should. All right. So here, here, here they are, and you're going to give me just a yes or a no on whether you've, you've read them or not. Ready? Yep. Tom, Tom Bethel, The Noblest Triumph. Yep. <laughs> Brian Kaplan, The Myth of the Rational Voter. Yep. <laughs> Tyler Cowan, In Praise of Commercial Culture. No. Okay. Well, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Richard Epstein, Simple Rules for a Complex World. Yes. <laughs> Robert Higgs, Crisis and Leviathan. Yes. Great. <laughs> Deidre McCloskey's. This is this is one number. This is one, but it's three. Deidre McCloskey's Bourgeois Era Trilogy. Two out of three. <laughs> Two. I'm going to give you a full credit for that, Ron. Full credit. I'm working on three, though. I'm going to be reading. H.L. Mackin notes on democracy. No. No. Okay. To, uh, the uh, Virginia uh, Postrel, the future and its enemies. Yes, love that book. I saw her give a talk on it live. I love Russ Roberts, the choice. Yes. And Julian Simon, the ultimate resource too. Yep. Eight, eight out of 10, 80% run on books that people that on Liberty, you haven't read, but should you get the gold star for the day. And we are right against our close Ron. So what do we got coming up for next week? Do you know, you tell me, <laughs> you tell me. Yeah. Well, next week we uh, I am going to be away, so we've already pre-recorded the episode, and it's at Ora Labellum Delenda Est, and the timesheet must be destroyed. Right on. All right. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, check us out at soulofenterprise.com. We will post full show notes on what we discussed today. 
and contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next week.